Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Cry Like a Boy, a Euro News original service and podcast that explores how the pressure to be a man can harm families and societies. Stay with us as we travel across the African continent to meet men who defy centuries old stereotypes. After listening to our previous episodes about being homosexual in Dakar, Senegal, today, we are going to have a conversation about toxic masculinity and homophobia with two LGBTIQ plus rights activists who understand the African context as well as the European one. Sheba Akpokli joins us from Lome, the capital of Togo in West Africa, and uh, Youssef Belchamagli is in Aubervilliers in France. I am Khopoto Budibe with you from Johannesburg, South Africa. Hello, hello to you, our guests. Hello, Sheba. Hello, Youssef. Hello, Khopoto. Hey, Khopoto. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will get back to you in a minute. Now, listeners, if you have not yet heard our episodes on the Guo Jigen in Senegal or the origins and harshness of homophobia in the West African country, we invite you to listen to them by visiting our website at euronews.com slash special slash cry like a boy podcast in addition to listening to this conversation. Now, is it true that there was a time when the LGBTIQ plus community was not persecuted in Senegal? You will be surprised to learn about a time when Dakar was once described as the gay city of Western Africa. Before starting our conversation, let's first introduce our guests. Youssef Belchamagi is a Moroccan trans woman activist based in Aubervilliers in the northeastern suburb of Paris in France. She has organized the first Pride March in the multicultural neighborhood of Saint-Denis in Paris. She has a bachelor in transnational politics at, at University Paris 8 Saint-Denis. And Sheba Akpokli is a LGBTIQ rights activist and a lawyer from Togo. She represents the African region on the World Board of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans and Intersex Association. She also has experience in research and documentation in West Africa. Now I have a question for the both of you. Um, we looking at homophobia and uh, masculinity. In the previous episodes about homophobia in Senegal, we have learned that homosexual men 
there are targeted with the slay Gojigen, a pejorative term which literally means man, woman in the Wolof language and is used to belittle their masculinity. We all know this is not only the case in Senegal. For example, here in South Africa where I am, gay men are called morphies, a South African slang word meaning a guy who dresses and acts like a girl. The word morphy is the title of a 2019 film by South African director Oliver Hermanas that explores the relationship between homophobia and toxic masculinity. Here's a question for the both of you. Have you heard similar terms in Morocco and France, in your case, Youssef, and in Togo or other West African countries, in your case, Sheba? So a little trigger warning for um, the listeners. Obviously, we're going to use a lot of derogatory slurs. Well, in Morocco, there is a similar term uh, that is Zamil, which is which doesn't really works on the duality between homosexuality and heterosexuality, but it's really more about a duality between a hegemonic masculinity and masculinities that are subjected to um, this hegemonic masculinity. So yeah, the word Zama doesn't really like translate into like fad, but it's really used to describe like a man that is like dominated by superior masculinities. As for France, there is the slur pédé, which is pretty much a translation of fag, and uh, it's used to to point out the fact that homosexuality is inferior to heterosexuality, uh, politically speaking. In your case, Sheba, what is the experience? What have you picked up? I think, yes, there are similar expressions as well in Togo. And one of them is, for example, the, the term uh, nusu nyonu or nyonu nusu to describe a man who behaves like a woman or conversely, a woman who behaves like a man. So I think there is a context with that we, uh, we are sharing both in Togo or Morocco or even in Senegal as well. Now, in both your experiences from the from both the environments that you are speaking of right now, these terms are aimed at belittling the masculinity of homosexual men. Why do you think that is the case? Why do you think um, society or communities do that? I think it's because of gender stereotype. Some people expect a man to have only and exclusively feelings with a woman. In addition, I think people too much often limit same-sex relationships to the sexual part when it's actually more than that. And uh, I just suddenly, I wonder at which time the fact that a man has feeling for another one takes away his masculinity, in fact. So I think this kind of comparison is made of first of all, moralizing people and the repressive context where we have so idealized the quality required to be a man that if, if I, you do not meet those court criterias, you are not a real one. But another question that um, I'm drawing our attention to is that what is a real man, in fact? <laughs> what is your observation, Yusuf? 
Well, I really agree with Shiba. It's really not about like the sexual dimension of it. It's really like a minority part of the whole um, system. Uh, I think like masculinity, especially in Morocco, is really linked to family, which is a really important uh, social crux. So basically, a man, in order to preserve the patriarchal order, has to provide for his family, has to lead his family. So this is why in Morocco, when I came out uh, to my mom uh, as a gay man in my earlier years, she was like, oh, it's okay, there's a lot of gay people in the closet, like, you can still have sex with men and, and still, like, get married and stuff. And so there are a lot of men in Morocco who actually partake in sexual activities that could be considered homosexual, but there isn't an actual stigma because th at the end of the day, they're, they're still gonna get married to a woman, they're still gonna create uh, a family, they're, they're still gonna create like a heterosexual social structure. So the stigma is really more about actually like defying the masculinity norms with the gay identity. So it's really, really about that. It's not necessarily about sexuality. I hear you there to be saying that you find men in Morocco actually straddling both worlds. Is that correct? Pretty much, yeah. Some of them don't see the problem in having a, a secret gay life. Some of them obviously do have uh, issues, but some of them obviously are perfectly happy, not, not necessarily happy, but they're content with the fact that their sexual life is going to be hidden um, in order to have a normal heterosexual familial uh, life. Right, right. Now, when we asked people in Senegal to describe how a man should act, they all agreed on one concept, and that is a man is the opposite of a woman. Now, the stereotypes that you have been talking about here, Sheba and uh, Youssef, are almost common in many parts of the world, certainly in many parts of Africa. What happens in Morocco and Togo um, to people who do not fit the patterns that society actually expects them to be, to be living or to fit as men and women? So obviously um, it is punished by law by the penal code. So in Morocco that would be the article 489. Um, so it's obviously, well you can get in prison up to three years. There's also a very expensive fine. And there's also a general um, social stigma that leads to marginalization and to basically, you get banished from society. The stigma really happens when you actually decide to make your when you transform your homosexuality or your queerness as an actual identity that that can actually like challenge the local and national so, social structures sheba in your experience um what what is it what what is it that you have actually seen in togo we have a law that criminalizes same relationship and uh, we have uh, sanctioned up to three years in, in jail and a, a lot of a fine that can go up to three million of francs CFA. So uh, for people who assume their sexual orientation, there is that law, even if at this day, this law has never used to be condemned anyone. Uh, 
this is uh, this provision is kept there to try to discourage people because when you it happened that you affirm you you affirm you assume your identity and your queerness this is the this is the point that you come banished from the society and uh, you no more accepted anywhere so there is also um, a social stigma and there is as well um, an important role played by the the religious group in that so for for people for queer people in togo this is not really easy because first of all this is uh as most of the african country a very heteronormative society where we have a law and it is very difficult to to live with your sexual orientation openly uh, for instance you cannot be um, openly lesbian in togo because first of all like i was saying we have a very patriarchal society so you have to be in the spectrum of a double discrimination for instance first of all for being a woman and then for being as well uh, a lesbian or an lbq people so you can definitely not leave uh, your sexual orientation freely so it's pretty much about living your life in the closet about living your life as a secret and not actually living it off so that people can actually see your authentic self. Exactly, because if you out yourself and you are openly queer, it's like opening the door to any kind of violence and discrimination. The conditions that we face um, in many parts of Africa, um, I would imagine that uh, the draconian social stigmas and the draconian laws that exist actually apply for both men who identify as LGBTIQ+, and women as well who identify as LGBTIQ+. Or does it affect men more than women or vice versa? How does it work? What is your experience? Are lesbian women finding it a bit easier um, to live their identity as opposed to homosexual men or gay men? Uh, yeah, of course. I don't think uh, lesbian women have it easier. On the contrary, I think it's mostly about visibility. Uh, gay men are way more visible, so we talk uh, a lot more about their issues, the violence that they, that they face. Um, and. Um, I mean, at least in Morocco, as I said, we really don't talk about lesbians because there is no word. So it's really mostly everything is basically everything uh, starts with um, masculine homosexuality and then we translate. But there is no actually like discussions on lesbian specificities. So one might argue that because of invisibility, lesbian women might have it better because I don't know, they can like get around stuff but that's really not the reality of it like lesbian women also face tremendous violence corrective rapes they also get imprisoned they also face a really really harsh violence so they have that and they also have less possibilities to talk about their identities to conceptualize their identities to conceptualize their situations because of the lack of words, because of the lack of representation, because of the lack of work on the matter. But also in France, which France, even though it is considered to be like this really LGBTQ plus 
friendly country well we don't really talk about lesbians there are not that many lesbian um uh cultural places bars exhibits stuff like that so it's really really an issue that sh that should be tackled both in morocco but also in france Shaba, do you want to jump in there? I think that we are having the same challenges and the fact that we are talking more about the, the violence is faced by the, the gay men doesn't mean that it's more easier for the lesbian to live in our country. It's probably because um, we we do not have, um, like, how do I say it? Probably because... Um, Sometimes LBQ women do not report enough those kind of violences, but if you have um, you look on the survey, the the um, the reports that have been done recently, you can see that most of the violences is has been directly uh, di directed to the the LBQ women community and the transgender people as well, and uh, we are not classifying, but you know it's just like is not the fact that we are talking more about gay people's discrimination that on the other hand is more easier for the other subgroup. Thank you. Now, as we wrap up this conversation, in the previous episodes of Cry Like a Boy, we learned the story of Junior, a young Senegalese man who is forced to live with the secret of being gay because in Senegal, if you come out of the closet, you not only risk being persecuted and harassed, but you can end up in jail. What does it mean for a person to live a life inside the closet? Do you know stories like Junior's? What similarities and differences do you find in the challenges of being gay in Morocco and France? In your case, Youssef, and in Togo and uh, Senegal, in your case, uh, Sheba. What does it mean for someone who lives in the closet? I would say oppression, taking a lot on yourself, probably fragile mental health, by the end of being forced to conform, constant insecurity, fear of being outed, and forcing to always double check before going anywhere, any places. This portrait is really uh, <laughs> a big shadow on it, actually, yes. That is a whole lot of uh, issues that you have to deal with at a personal level, because you always have to be in check of yourself, in check of what you do, in check of what you say, in check of where you go. Yusuf, your understanding? Well, I agree with Sheba. It's, it's pretty much suffocating. I think it's the, I, for me, at least, that's how I feel it, because obviously it's always about, it really reduces your life to like endless performances and performances so you re don't really have the possibility to actually be authentic um you also live in this fear of having your performances uh, being clocked so obviously when you get clocked well a lot of violence like uh, come down on you so it's not necessarily the same thing between Morocco and France. And within France, there are also like a lot of uh, contrasts and difference between contexts. For instance, I live in Les Banlieues, which are uh, a suburban area. Um, in, Aubert in the northern banlieues are mostly uh, inhabited by like 
uh, immigrants from all parts of Africa. So, and there is a, a lot of racist and colonial stigmas uh, on us people, immigrants living in, in Les Banlieues. And so being LGBT in Les Banlieues isn't really the same thing as being LGBT in Paris, for instance, because, well, a lot of people in Les Banlieues are still closeted for many, many, many reasons. People like to say in France, the general opinion likes to say that it's about like Islam. It's because like African countries are less developed um, on LGBTQ matters. But that's actually like a very simplistic approach and it's way more complex than that. Um, but um, instead of like going into these specificities, which might take a while, uh, I'd say that, yeah, it is really suffocating. And a lot of people, a lot of non-LGBTQ people like to say that it's really about like the sexual, the sexual activity. So you can basically have your sexual life and then you can have your no normal life. But actually it's not, it's really about like being your authentic self. It's about like having your identity. At the end of the day, it's really about like auto-determination. And that's obviously not a right that we have as LGBTQ people, whether it is in Togo, whether it is in Morocco, whether it is also in France. Thank you so much for your time, the both of you. Yusuf and uh, Sheba, thank you for joining us for this episode of Cry Like a Boy. This show has been produced with me, Khuposo Budibe, Marta Moreiras in Senegal, Marta Rodriguez Martinez, Lilo Montalto Monella, Naira Davlashian, and Awa Bakala in Lyon. Special thanks go to Lori Martinez. Clizia Sala and Studio Ochenta for helping us produce this podcast. The music theme is by Gabriel Dalmoso. I would like to thank our guests, Sheba Akpokli and Yusuf Belkhmadi. For more information on Cry Like a Boy, a Euronews original series and podcast, go to euronews.com to find opinion pieces, videos, and articles on the topic. Follow us on Twitter at Euronews is our Twitter handle and we are at Euronews.tv on Instagram. Also share with us your own stories of how you changed and challenged your view on what it means to be a man using the hashtag cry like a boy. If you are a French speaker, this podcast is also available in French. Dan La Tête des Hommes is the name of the podcast service. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com